Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain. But you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. friends and welcome to the Seeker Podcast at Service of Change, where we challenge reality, question that we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, with Service of Change. On tonight's episode of the Seeker Podcast, we're going to be talking about AI, artificial intelligence, and drones. A lot of great stories out in the mainstream today talking about it. What does it mean for our future? You may be surprised at how close we are to some of this technology coming out. We're going to talk about that tonight, but first I'm going to jump into one or two news stories that came across my feed. I'm trying to stay away from politics right now because that's what everybody else in the world seems to be talking about. My opinion on it is there's side A, side B, and the truth is, I don't even want to say somewhere in the middle. I think the truth is somewhere in a far opposite direction. That's all I'm going to say. Just do your due diligence. Be careful what you consume and be careful what you spend your time consuming because I think there's more important things out there for us to worry about. First story really caught my attention. This one comes to us from IdahoNews.com. Dozens of dead owls showing up along I-84. It's like they fell from the sky. In Jerome, Idaho, dozens of dead owls have been reported uh, reported by drivers along Interstate 84 in southern Idaho, making for an eerie stretch of road. Over the weekend, Nicole Miller and Christina White of Boise, Boise were driving home to Boise Town from Twin Falls when they spotted some roadkill along the interstate. I saw a bird on the side of the road. I thought it was a chicken, Miller said, but then we saw more roadkill, and I saw the stripes on the feathers, and it was not a chicken. It's definitely an owl, she said, and it wasn't the only one. She claims to have spotted more than 50. Uh, the Idaho Fishing Game told KBOI 2 News on Monday that they're aware of the dead owls. It's a simple explanation, and it's not a terribly uncommon occurrence, said Mike Keckler, Idaho Fishing Game spokesman. Keckler says hungry owls are becoming victims of roadkill when they target mice along the interstate. You can read more about this in the show notes over at serviceofchange.com. This story caught my attention. Call it synchronistic, a synchronistic event for me personally. I like to pay attention to those things because just this week I was listening to the Higher Side Chats uh, and they were talking about owls in connection with people that have the abduction experience, how... They report seeing a large owl. You think that, I forget who the author is. I'll have to look it up. I'll have, I'll have the link to the episode in the show notes. But they had uh, people have reports of large owls, four foot owls, 
uh, that they see right before an abduction or an owl, an actual owl, normal size owl, will follow them around or will appear before they have an encounter. People were talking about seeing owls morphing into greys. It was a really neat compilation of stories involving owls and greys and abduction encounters. So I started thinking about that. I said, oh, that's pretty cool. So I, I put I put my intention out there. I've never had an experience with an owl. I said, all right, there's something to this. I'd like to have an encounter with an owl. This is about two weeks ago, and be careful what you wish for, right? So I forgot about it. Last night, I'm I'm uh, sound asleep, and I'm having this dream. And in this dream, where I live in the woods, the squirrels during the spring and summer and fall, they're constantly running through the trees, and the leaves are shaking, and they're they're just playing, you know, they're, or or they're fighting. I don't. Know, it looks like they're playing to me, and the squirrels are always running around. So in this dream, I'm seeing these squirrels run through the trees and I'm watching the squirrels fight and I remember looking at all these leaves falling down and then I look up at the trees and there's this giant white owl and this thing has to be about four feet tall and again this is a dream this is definitely a dream but I'm looking at this owl and I'm fascinated by it and I'm walking around and it seems to be moving from tree to tree and it's watching me and it's staring at me I'm so captivated by this owl I take out my phone and I want to take a picture of it and I figured to get the best angle, I need to lay flat on my back. So I lay on my back, and as soon as I lay down, this thing comes swooping down at me. And I think, oh my gosh, it thinks I'm food. It's this big. It's going to come down and eat me. And it lands right next to my head, and it just stood there towering over me. So I start snapping pictures with it, and I just remember staring up at this thing. And it was gigantic. It was just gigantic. And then truly after that, my alarm went off, and I woke up. And I remember thinking, well, I, I wanted an experience with an owl. Was that one just a dream, or was that something... You know, a spirit animal coming to me per my request, I, I don't know. I mean, it didn't have the realness feel that some of my other encounters feel, but it still felt significant because this thing landed in front of me and was letting me really explore it and, and take a look at it. So I'd love to see it again and, and, you know, try to communicate with it if I can be fortunate enough to have another dream like that. But it was pretty cool. So that's why that story caught my attention. I thought it was interesting. Story comes to us from GulfNews.com. It's titled UAE to build first city on Mars by 2117. That's interesting. Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, will build the first city on Mars as a part of the 2117 Mars project in collaboration with specialized international organizations and scientific institutes. The Mars 2117 project was announced by His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum. Vice President and Prime Minister of the UAE and ruler of Dubai and His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nahaya Abu Dhabi Crown Prince and uh, I'm sorry Abu Dhabi Crown Prince and Deputy Supreme Commander of the UAE Armed Forces. As part of a 100-year national program, the UAE will set a plan to prepare national cadres that can achieve scientific breakthroughs to facilitate the transport of people to the red planet over the next decades. Technology is advancing. There's more to this, this story. You can see it in the show notes. But we're, we're just about there. We're just about in that futuristic time frame that we've been reading about in science fiction novels and movies, I think, at least for my entire lifetime. I know it goes back even before that. It's fascinating that we're moving rapidly towards that. It'll be interesting to continue to track this story and others. Obama said he wanted to put someone on Mars by... 2030, so we'll see if we get there sooner than 2117 and when we'll start colonizing uh, worlds beyond our own. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say when we start doing that again, given the evidence that we're seeing in our ancient history here. All right, so where to begin? Let's talk about artificial intelligence. Let's talk about drones and the combination of the two and the impact that it's going to have or could have on humanity. And, and I really... 
I guess you can't help but to think Skynet. I think as humans, we think worst case scenario. You know, and it's interesting. I'm going to go off on a side note tangent as I usually tend to do, but this past week I've been really focused on updating my emergency preps. You know, I, I do that two to four times a year. I, I update. I go through my emergency bags. I have several bags, for, you know, depending on the situation, depending on where I am. Um, I have several bags that I that I keep with me, that I carry, that I keep in my car, all that stuff. So I've been going through and I've been ordering some new supplies and just looking at my emergency response to a variety of different things because I have this feeling that something bad's going to happen. Now, I'm going to say that with a caveat, with a couple caveats. You know, I I hate spreading fear. That's not what I'm trying to do. This is just how I've been feeling, maybe because there's been so much fear that's been spread with the political turmoil and everything that's been going on in the world around us. I feel like I'm just bracing for impact. But on on a personal level, also, we're expecting baby number three in the next couple of weeks. So I'm also trying to get everything ready for that. So that could also be contributing to my heightened awareness. But either way, it's a good idea to be prepared for any type of emergency that you can anticipate. That's what I've been focused on over the last couple of weeks. So moving back into the story, that was just my little tangent to remind you, make sure you're, you uh, update your preps whenever you have the opportunity to do so. A lot of good stories coming out uh, you know, when you think about artificial intelligence, as I was saying, you think about Skynet, you think about artificial intelligence reaching a level where it realizes, you know what, humans are more of a threat and a problem than they're worth dealing with, and AI would just take over and wipe everybody out. So that's something that definitely goes through my mind, but I think it goes so much deeper than that. And when I'm reading these stories about what they want to do with AI and how they want to merge tech with our own biology, with our own consciousness. They basically want to connect us to a cloud, connect us to the internet, connect us to our electronic devices and our houses and things of that nature through microchips in our brain. If it sounds crazy, I have the news articles that I'm going to be going over talking about this technology right now. But that's there's a big push for that right now. And it's, it's going to alter human consciousness into a, I don't even want to use the term false reality, let's say a virtual reality. When we merge, if we merge with this and we're able to access the internet and we're able to use this, these computers and these chips as a form of processing, we're able to upload our consciousness to a cloud like they're talking about. Well, that to me sounds like going into a meditative state and accessing an altered state of consciousness. But what makes this different is that this is an artificially created realm where certain people may have control of that realm, which means they may be able to influence and control our consciousness and our behavior and our thoughts and our perceptions. That's a scary thing, but I took that a step further and I started thinking, well, I'm a big proponent of, I think that's kind of what's going on with us right now. I think that somewhere, somehow, this has happened before or this is where we come from or this is how we're created, that we're living in some sort of a virtual reality. And if you're saying, Dennis, you sound crazy, I'm not going to go beating that one down right now. Go listen to my previous shows where I review the, the evidence and the theories and the talks about that. But 
there's a lot of information out there that says this may be some form of simulation, this may be some form of virtual reality, or at the very minimum, this is a, an electronic universe. And one thing I'm certain of is the electromagnetic stuff that works like a Wi-Fi field that allows for humans to have psychic-type interactions and communications and perceptions and to know things. So that's a natural ability that we have. And that's one of the running themes on every single one of my shows. So when I see us merging with tech to simulate what we are capable of doing naturally, that worries me because I think that's going to further disconnect us from our understanding our true reality. Who knows, maybe it'll empower us in some way and it'll have the opposite effect. That's a, that's a possibility. But right now where I'm going with this is it's going to move us in a direction that I think will disconnect us from this other universal internet, this wi- this universal Wi-Fi that we're finding that is out there. I think it's going to put us in a different Wi-Fi operating system. And that worries me because who's in control of that operating system? Who's in control of this universal Wi-Fi? I don't know that either. But I, I don't want to lose touch with that. I don't want to lose that connection. So there's my two cents on that. And let's, let's talk about it now. Let's talk about what's coming out. So let's start with this one that comes to us from CNBC. Elon Musk, humans must merge with machines or become irrelevant in the AI age. Billionaire Elon Musk is known for his futuristic ideas and the latest suggestion might might save us from being irrelevant as artificial intelligence grows more prominent. The Tesla and Space CEO said Monday that humans need to merge with machines or become a sort of cyborg. Over time, I think we will probably see a closer merger of biological intelligence and digital intelligence, Musk told an audience at the World Government Summit in Dubai, where he also launched Tesla in the United Arab Emirates. It's mostly about the bandwidth, the speed of the connection between your brain and a digital version of yourself, particularly output. Musk explained what he meant by saying that computers can communicate at a trillion bits per second, while humans whose main communication method is typing with their fingers via a mobile device can do about 10 bits per second. In an age when AI threatens to become widespread, humans would be useless. So there's a need to merge with machines, according to Musk. Now, I'm going to stop here, and my problem with this, number one, is again, I think he's using fear to encourage people, hey, you better merge or you're going to become obsolete. That's a scary thing. And it sounds scary when you hear that. I don't like being scared into doing something. Do this or else this consequence is going to happen. Well, how about you don't develop that technology? Now, again, let me step back. I guarantee there there will be a ton of benefits to these mergers with this technology. I don't doubt that. I've, I've followed David Icke for years. I've listened to many other speakers who talk about the microchipping that's coming in. And, and people in the conspiracy circles are constantly warning, don't get the microchip. But I do not think that this microchip technology is going to come out in the fashion where the government storms in and says, you must be microchipped or you're going to be put in jail or you're going to be executed. I don't see it happening that way. What I'm starting to see now is people experimenting with this stuff. I think the microchip is going to be a voluntary and a willful acceptance by a consumer because they're going to see a benefit from it. And some of this tech I'm going to talk about in the articles is going to be basically, well, if I had this implant, I can turn my lights on and off just by thinking about it. If I had this implant, I can pay for my food or for my 
you know, whatever I need to buy just by waving my hand because the microchip's implanted in my hand. I don't have to carry a cell phone anymore because it's embedded in my brain and I can communicate, which feels telepathic because I have it in my brain. So this technology is going to be just like getting a cell phone. Years ago, there were people who said, oh, I'll never get one of those cell phones. And now it's almost essential. It's a necessary evil. Are we going to get to that point? Is society going to merge with technology to the point where, yes, now we need to have it. You can't survive without a cell phone. It's tough to survive without a credit card nowadays, too, because we're just moving in that direction. So I think that's how this is going to be rolled out. Again, there's it's convenient. There's benefits to this stuff. But the potential for abuse is great. And what's even scarier is if this AI continues to develop and become self-aware, that means that an AI system that may be more advanced than the human system may have the ability to take over the tech that's inside your body that has an influence over your body. And that's my concern with this. So let's go on. And the article continues. Some high bandwidth interface to the brain will be something that helps activate a symbiosis between human and machine intelligence and maybe solves the control problem and the usefulness problem, Musk explained. The technologist's proposal would see a new layer of a, of a brain able to access information quickly and tap into artificial intelligence. It's not the first time Musk has spoken about the need for humans to evolve, but it's a constant theme of his talks on how society can deal with the disruptive threat of AI. During his talk, Musk touched upon his fear of deep AI, which goes beyond driverless cars to what he called artificial general intelligence. This he described as AI that is smarter than the smartest human on earth and called it a dangerous situation. Well, this might be some way off. The Tesla boss said more immediate threat is how AI, particularly autonomous cars, which is his own firm is developing, will displace jobs. He said the disruption to people whose job it is to drive will take place over the next 20 years, after which 12 to 15% of the global workforce will be unemployed. So he acknowledges this deep AI, how it can be a threat to humanity, but he says the more immediate threat is this stuff, these, uh, these vehicles that will be self-driving. Now let's move to another article here. And this one comes to us from fizz.org. And where is it from? It's out of Dubai, dated February 13, 2017. Dubai has tested a Chinese prototype of a self-driving hover taxi. Its transport authority said on Monday with the aim of introducing the aerial vehicle in the Emirate by July. This test of the one-man electric vehicle comes as a city-state in the United Arab Emirates seeks to ensure a quarter of its means of transport are self-driving by 2030. The Ehang 184 can travel on a programmed course at 100 kilometers an hour, which is 60 miles per hour, at an altitude of 300 meters, which is 1,000 feet, the authority said in the statement. A passenger simply needs to select a destination for the autonomous taxi to take off, fly the route, and touch down on the chosen spot monitored by a ground control center, it said. Again, that article continues, along with the one about Elon Musk. I'll have them in the show notes. This is happening. We've got self-driving vehicles that are getting ready to come out. This is an aerial vehicle. That's scary. That's, to me, that's scary. It's coming out by July in, in Dubai. So keep, keep your eyes to the sky on that one. And with that being said, speaking of aerial vehicles and drones, this one comes to us from CNN Tech. Amazon's delivery drones may drop packages via parachute. This one's written by Matt McFarlane. Amazon has said its drones are coming soon, but don't necessarily expect them to land in your yard. 
The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office on Tuesday granted Amazon a patent for a method to guide packages released from drones safely to the ground. Previously, the e-commerce giant had publicly released demo videos of its drones landing in yards to drop off packages. The company has te- has testing for several years to determine the best method to deliver to customers in the future. The patent suggests Amazon is considering keeping its drones high above customers' homes and approaching that could be more efficient and safe. In the document, Amazon said that landing drones takes more time and energy than releasing a package from the high in the sky. If Amazon's drones don't land in yards, this prevents potentially dangerous collisions between the drones and any people, pets, and objects in a customer's yard. The patent also describes how Amazon's drones would use magnets, parachutes, or spring coils to release the delivery while in mid-flight. Once the package is released, the drone would then monitor the descending box to make sure it's dropping properly onto the desired landing patch. Now, this is interesting because I watched one of the videos about this, and this guy said he ordered something, and I guess it was a a test run or some sort of pilot program, but he had it within 13 minutes. It was sent from the distribution center to his home within 13 minutes. So this, again, aims to completely change our way of life. Is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? I don't know yet, but again, it's going to displace more people out of work. Something like this, again, will severely impact not only the drivers, but it's going to be, I think, another threat to this traditional retail market. People don't have to go anywhere. They just have to click a button online or from their cell phones, and all of a sudden you have a drone that flies overhead and drops it off within a half an hour. That's fascinating. That's a big change. It really is. We need to keep... Uh, an eye on this technology as well. Is it a good thing? I, I don't know. I mean, what, what are your thoughts so far? I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email through serviceofchange.com. Let me know your thoughts on this this tech, the autonomous tech, self-driving cars, self-driving drones, taxis. Is this ultimately to our benefit or are we just getting lazy? What do you think? So let's move into some of the, some of the heavier stuff here. It comes from us from Unknown Country. This one's called New Brain Implant Technology. Promises Practicability for long-term use. Brain implants that allow the direct interface between the human brain and machines have been in development for some time now. However, aside from the daunting task of figuring out how to couple solid-state electronics with what amounts to a biological computer, another problem faced by researchers is the body's reaction to foreign objects. Implanted electrodes work just fine when initially inserted, but over time, the scar tissue builds up over them, hampering their ability to both read and transmit electrical signals between themselves and their targeted neurons. However, researchers at Harvard Medical School have come up with a new method of implantation that may be able to avoid this problem, allowing for long-term use of such implants. Typically, brain implants penetrate directly into the brain itself using minute electrical signals to interact directly with the areas of the organ that need to be either read or stimulated. The insertion itself unavoidably causes an injury to the site, prompting the eventual buildup of the problematic scar tissue in question. This new implant uses magnetic fields to simulate targeted neurons instead of direct electrical impulses. While scar tissue insulates against electrical flow, magnetic fields will pass through it unimpeded. This new implant is a hair-like device that incorporates an array of microscopic coils that sends a strong, tightly targeted magnetic field into the area of the brain it is intended to interact with. While it is intended to be tested, 
by, uh, by placing it on the surface of the brain, it theoretically should still retain its long-term effectiveness if it is inserted into the organ. There's a few more about this article, how they're testing it. I'll have that in the show notes through unknowncountry.com as well. Uh, again, this one, it excites me and it scares me because this ties into a lot of what I've been talking about with just human consciousness and our own potential, our ability to communicate through this electromagnetic field that's generated with the heart but influences the brain and then spreads out around us. This is our sixth sense. And now we have technology that's able to interface with that. And I, I covered the patented stuff. I, had, I did a show on the U.S. patents on this technology and how that patent is being used to modify human behavior. Well, now we've got these implants that they're going to use that are going to affect your brain. So number one, that's confirmation that this, this is a real – this is real, that they have this technology and it's small. And again – what this talks about is this could be a good thing. This could help the blind see ultimately from what I've been reading. It could, it could help people hear. It could help people with different um, neurological disorders. But it can also be corrupted. And we need to be mindful of that. We need to be cautious with this technology. And if we're in a situation where we need to accept this technology, we need to understand those risks and how this technology can be hacked. Because the reality is... Our biological system, that electromagnetic field that's generated through our heart, is already being hacked. And that's why despite this this technology, I think, opens us up to more vulnerabilities. I think the first thing we need to do is get control of our natural ability to connect with this field and build up our own defenses. I say it all the time, I, I believe it's as simple as when we smell something that's bad, we, change, we spray an air freshener, we walk out of the room. Now when we perceive something that's bad, we need to trust that, that information that we're getting through that electromagnetic field. And we need to trust that and we need to react to that. If we perceive that threat, we need to take those countermeasures as well. But this is, an, this is fascinating stuff here. Uh, talking about this technology. It's a hair-like device. So let's keep going. This one comes to us from ReviewJournal.com, February 13, 2017. Outlawing microchipping humans, not so far-fetched, Nevada Senator says. So here we go. Carson City, this is by Sandra Cherub. State Senator Becky Harris said a bill to prohibit forced microchipping of people is not as far-fetched as it might seem because it happens in some places around the world. Senate Bill 109 will make it a Class C felony to require someone to be implanted with a radio frequency identifier such as microchips placed in pets. The idea for the bill came from a constituent, the Las Vegas Republican said, As I began to look into the issue, I was surprised with the merit that I believe the issue warrants, Harris told the Senate Judiciary Committee on Monday. She said sales of radio frequency identifiers are escalating around the world, and a company in Australia as of June 2016 sold more than 10,000 implantable chips with do-it-yourself kits. Each kit costs about $100 and includes a tag and an injection tool, Harris said. The Wall Street Journal has reported an estimated 30,000 to 50,000 chips have been sold globally, she said. Harris said technology is used by companies in Belgium and Sweden to identify employees. It's done under the idea to unlock doors or use copy machines or maybe pay for pay for lunch. You could use your hand, she said. Besides privacy concerns, Harris has said the concept raises ethical questions 
such as who owns the chip or the information contained on it, and how does someone get de-chipped if they are no longer employed by the company that required it. She also wondered if a chip could be hacked to harass or stalk somebody. Now, if it's an RFID chip, as long as that chip is active as drawing the, uh, the charge to keep it on, yes, you can pinpoint that chip. There was a study done uh, years ago, might have been through InfoWars, talking about the RFID chips in simple school IDs. I think this came to us out of Texas. And they were showing how if somebody has a transmitter strong enough, they can simply drive up and down a street in a neighborhood. And if a student has one of those chip, one of those ID badges with the RFID chip in it, they'll get a ping on it. They'll be able to track where that child lives. So this is, again, potentially scary technology. Now let's talk about a benefit from it, you know, microchipping our pets or as a parent, I mean, I got to say, I can see the benefits of microchipping my child. God forbid something happened to one of my children. That would be a lifesaver to be be able to say, oh, nope, here is exactly where my child is. But at the same time, if I can see it, so can somebody else. And what happens when my child becomes an adult and does not want to be tracked? We already look, we already have concerns about big government spying on us and looking at where we're going. Now, let's say, let's hope not, but let's say with everything going on in the world right now, with our new president and all the drama that's happening, what if we have some kind of drastic change in our government and we're microchipped and everybody knows where we are and we need to go into hiding? Not because we committed a crime, but because as I've seen in Bosnia, as we've seen in other places around the world, some form of civil war breaks out. And I'm not saying that that's coming, but Things aren't always looking great here in the United States. This is just where my mind goes because I like to think about the worst case scenario and prepare for the best. And again, I'm not spreading fear. I just want us to be open to this possibility. There are probably, there are benefits to getting this technology, but it it does scare me. It concerns me. So these are the things that we need to think about. And does it sound crazy? Well, if you're paying attention to the podcast, these aren't, these aren't, you know, tabloid stories, CNN.com, CSNBC. These are big mainstream media outlets that are covering these stories. And there's big people that are talking about these senators and Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla Motors and all. I mean, this is real. We're living, I think, at a major crossroads in so many different areas of our life right now, politically, socially, and technologically are some of the big ones that we're looking at right now. Spiritually is another big one that we're looking at. So many things are changing. And we need to remember that we have the power to choose our destiny and decide which way this is going to go. And my first advice is to take that time before we rely on technology to help us do all this cool stuff. We need to realize what we're capable of without technology. I think that is so important. I can't stress that enough. And I'm not saying just go sit cross-legged barefoot in a forest and say "Om" for 18 hours a day. We can incorporate this into our, our day-to-day lives. I do it every single day. And it's amazing what has been happening. I talk, I talk about my experiences regularly on the show. Speaking of which, a few weeks back I did an episode on the Farsight Institute. I'm sorry, I mentioned the Farsight Institute, but the show was about remote viewing. Now, I've been a, a fan of the Farsight Institute and the work that they've been doing for years. And I just came across, I just had some time to sit down and look at their Time Cross project. 
this is amazing. I, I, I've been wanting to see this happen with remote viewing for a long time. Courtney Brown is is spearheading this, and, and I'm so proud of this man for what he's doing to, to spread awareness about these abilities. Remote viewing, as I said, is the ability to perceive space and time anywhere uh, from any location. You can see any event and location uh, just by going within the mind, using consciousness uh, from a remote location to see things and perceive things. So what, what, what they're doing with this program is once a month, they have, its I think it's one to three viewers. They look into the future and they're looking at the mainstream news stories that will come out next month. So at the end of January, they release their predictions for February. And I just watched the February predictions, and some of them have already come true. By the way they describe it, I remember seeing those news stories and those headlines. And some of what they predicted is a little bit scary for February. That hasn't come true yet, but February is not over. I encourage you, I'm going to have the links to this in my show notes as well, because I, I, I believe in what they're doing at the Farsight Institute, because what they're showing is that this is real. We have the ability to perceive things like this. Everybody can do that's what they stress. We can now not everybody is gonna be a savant like some of these people, but we can all do this at some level. Just like not everybody has the same level of hearing. Not everybody is a concert pianist, but we can all still sit down and have somewhat of this ability. Some of us better than others. And if we can all learn to do this we can have a better tool to navigate our day-to-day lives and prepare for our future. So check out what they're doing each month. It's really it's really a fascinating experiment. I haven't checked January's. I didn't look back to last month, but from what I understand it's been pretty accurate. They do a review at the end of the, at the end of each month too to see how accurate they were in their predictions. And I think they're I think they've been spot on from from what I'm gathering from the site. I just started looking into this, but check it out. I mean, I, I, again, that sounds to me that sounds just as cool as some of the stuff that the AI technology is promising but we're keeping ourselves in control in our in our natural state at least our natural state as we know it. So check that out. Really I mean what do they say truth is more fascinating than fiction and it really is. And this is some stuff that it makes people uncomfortable to talk about because it pushes us outside of our comfort zone, but we need to get uncomfortable sometimes I think and we need to stop doing the same old thing by saying, well, we'll just give it another 4 years and see who else gets in the office to bring about that change. No. Let's do something weird. Let's do something that challenges our comfort level, challenges our paradigms, challenges our belief systems. Just start looking into it. There's a ton of resources in every one of my shows and show notes where you can find more and do your own homework. And let's go through this together. Ultimately, back to the AI stuff and the drones and the technology, it worries me. I think there's a a lot of cool potential from it. I I look at these virtual reality games that are coming out, and I think that that looks really cool. But I've also read some studies on how it's altering human consciousness, and I I don't know if that's a good direction for us to go into or not. I, I don't know. So keep your eyes to it. I'll keep tracking this stuff as it, as it comes along, and I'll, I'll cover it when I can. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I know there's benefits. I know there's also drawbacks. Does, does the benefits outweigh the risks? What do you think? Let me know. Hit me up at serviceofchange.com. And let me know your thoughts on this. I'd really like to hear it and, uh, and get some opinions out there or, or jump onto my, uh, my Facebook feed, and let's talk about it there, get a discussion going. 
because this affects us, it affects our future. All right, friends, I've rambled enough. I can keep going on forever, as we all know. I'd like to thank you all for taking the time to listen. I've had some requests for uh, more episodes of Daily Gnosis. I got away from it this week just because things have been so hectic for me. There are more that are coming out as I continue to explore the non-commodity texts and how things tie into our current reality and just how advanced these Gnostics were in what they were writing, talking about pretty much some of the same stuff I'm talking about now. Um, so check it out. The, the links are up at servicechange.com. You can get a taste of what that's all about. I hope to have some of that stuff coming back out in the next week or two as long as things don't get any crazier for me. So that is all the time I have. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you have an opportunity, please share this with your network as well so we can help the show to continue to grow and expand and spread the word and get more people's input coming our way. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast with Service of Change where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world, I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. Thank you.